0: We'll be right <laughs> End of the Bad Quicker Podcast where Liberty is our mission. Today is, wow, what is today? February 15th. So this is Tuesday, February 25th, not 15th. February 25th, uh, 2014. It is my first official uh podcast of the of the of 2014, first since uh since I was ill. And this is podcast number three hundred and sixty-four. And with me today is Davi Barker. Davi is a really good friend, and Davi, welcome back again to the show. Good morning. Glad to be here. Um We should probably jump right into the meat and potatoes on this, because I'm sure people are just literally frothing to find out what happened. Uh, that was at, uh, what, Nashua at the airport?
1: Uh Manchester, yeah. I was at the Liberty Forum in, in Nashua, and then I was flying home at the end that Sunday, and
0: uh, I flew out of Manchester, yeah. And so essentially uh, uh, what happened, If uh, and if I get anything wrong here, be sure and correct me on it, but essentially what happened, you and Bill Bupert and some of the other people uh, were going through the TSA through security, and you, the only thing that you had that made it obvious that you had anything at all to do with Bitcoin was that you were wearing one of the, uh, Bitcoin Not Bombs hoodies with the Bitcoin logo on it. Yep. And they, the TSA agents, uh, apparently spotted something in your, uh, probably your carry-on luggage. Is that right? Yeah. They saw Bitcoin in my bag. That, yeah, that's what the, the TSA agent actually said those words to you, right? We, we saw, right. we saw bitcoins in your bag. So, <laughs> right. So they thought they hit the jackpot. They thought, all right, we're going to, we're going to, you know, our little division is going to have free cake and pizza for the next two weeks because we're going to swipe this guy's millions of, you know, of valuable bitcoins that he has rolling around in his bag. Uh, Of course, that's a fantasy, and that's that. It just shows how uninformed these people are that they would think that you have physical bitcoins rolling around in a bag. Well, I suppose it's possible,
1: uh, but the fact of the matter is that it's a lie. So there are there are physical bitcoins. There are these sort of tangible brass coins called Casatius coins, and so what I suspect happened is. The TSA has had some sort of training, and the photograph in their PowerPoint presentation was just whatever came up in a Google image search, and what comes up in Google image searches is these brass casaceous coins. And so that's what he was pretending to have seen when I didn't
0: have anything of the sort. It's kind of like, you know, back in the 1930s, the way Hollywood was dealing with gangsters for, you know, they were, they were putting out movies in the 1930s about prohibition era gangsters from the 1920s. And there was the stereotypical thing of showing them with a Thompson submachine gun. And so you, it, by the time that the, that the Hollywood uh, was, you know, making movies about the 1920s, they had invented this world where gangsters walked around with Thompson subs everywhere and in reality, if you actually go back and check the history, Thompson's, first off, it's not a good gun to carry around downtown walking around with it. It's a bit obvious. And it's heavy and bulky, and it's kind of not even all that easy to shoot. And they just weren't used by gangsters in the 1920s for all the reasons I just mentioned. But by the 1930s, sure. Hollywood had made this image. It's the same as the switchblade. Exactly. The switchblade, switchblade is a perfect example. It's a horrible weapon. Um, if I was, if I had, you know, uh, 20 different knives laying on a table, one of which was a a kitchen butcher knife and another was a a switchblade and I was going to get in a fight with one of them, I'd pick an ice pick or a, or a butcher knife or anything over a switchblade. It's a very unreliable little, you know, especially. I would
1: grab a nice sturdy pair of scissors before I would grab a
0: switchblade. Yeah. But, but that's, that's kind of what they've done. They've got this stereotypical image in their mind and they don't really understand what Bitcoin is. They don't understand anything about it. They've just got it in their mind that, oh, the evil gangsters, the, the drug users and the, and the drug sellers. The cartels have the bitcoins, and and we've got to get them because they're going to try to smuggle them through the airport. In their, you know, it's a it's a good thing you didn't have a Muslims for Liberty sh- uh, jacket on at the time. No, I didn't. You know what
1: I had though is underneath my Bitcoin Not Bombs hoodie, I was wearing a Silk Road shirt. So I'm sort
0: of <laughs> glad that I didn't see that. Yeah, I'm not sure that they would have understood what that was though, and unless you had the female, you know, uh, uh, what's it called the the uh, the ladies wear.
1: That covers, covers
0: that covers your face and
1: and uh, oh like the no nothing like that.
0: But <laughs> but either way, if they would have realized that they were dealing with one of the evil terrorist Muslims, along with having a Bitcoin emblem, uh, you could you could have been in a very painful situation.
1: Yeah, that's true. I want to make clear that uh, the Bitcoin Not Bombs hoodie does not have the words Bitcoin Not Bombs on it. Like, a lot of commenters have said, well, of course they targeted you. You had the word bombs on your shirt, and it doesn't have that. It only has a picture of the plane. It doesn't say bombs on it. So just so nobody has that confusion.
0: Um, and there's nothing blowing up in, the, in that imagery either. It's just no. Bitcoin's raining out of a, a 1940s-era airplane.
1: Yeah. But it has that B, and that B is obviously part of their training.
0: Right, right.
1: Um so I can start at, can I start at the beginning?
0: Sure. Yeah. We, sure we, what we, we've mocked them enough, I suppose. <laughs> we, can, we can tell the actual story. It, I do want to mention though that it's, it, if, if TSA agents in a little place like Manchester, New Hampshire are looking for, you know, what they think are bitcoins in, in a bag, if they're doing that in Manchester, New Hampshire, you know the TA, TSA agents in LA and New York and Chicago and Miami have all had that training, and they're all looking for Bitcoin. Right. Okay. So, so go on. Uh, <clears throat> tell tell the actual story of what happened.
1: Uh, so, I I always opt out. That's that's just what I do, and I usually try to take that opportunity to start a conversation with the person molesting me. And in this particular instance, that conversation went really well and was sort of revealing. And the the tactic I decided to take was when he started saying. I'm gonna move my hands up your inner thigh until I reach resistance. I told him, "I'm ready to resist right now," and he sort of like he got a little flustered and he just repeated himself. But when he repeated himself, he said, um, "I'm as uncomfortable with this as you are," and that's what I that's what I touched on because I'm always looking for the the person under the badge. And so if he's uncomfortable, that's coming from himself, right? I,
0: I should interrupt you just for a moment, too, in case uh, some of the listeners don't really know your nature. Uh, anybody who actually meets Davi in person... And I think you can tell this from his voice as well, but but knowing Davi, having met him uh, multiple times in person and watching him over the course of time where we weren't just together for five minutes, but we've spent some considerable time together, Davi is not a smart aleck. I can can assure the listeners that uh, you didn't go up there to the agent with a bad attitude, smarting off to him, you know making making an opportunity and we we know and i'm not saying this is negative against people in the liberty movement but we know that there are people in the liberty movement who have sort of made of a career of confronting people in authoritarian positions and doing it in a, such a way as though you almost force that person to to have a negative reaction towards the uh, sure. to towards the the victim so to speak and, and I can assure the listeners that this is not what Davi does. This is not his attitude. This is not, you know, he didn't go to the airport with a film crew hoping to provoke something, uh, with the TSA. He is not that kind of an activist and, and, no. uh, and, and really that wouldn't work out for your kind of a personality anyway. You're not that kind of a, you know, you're not a, you 're not and, and I say this appreciating the role that they that they fill you 're not pete air you 're not um you know Ian Freeman you don 't have that kind of an attitude to go looking for trouble so so that just eliminate the listener can eliminate that possibility. Davi did not go there looking for a fight, he did not go there trying to provoke someone. He has a very humble spirit. He has a very uh, likable personality, and he was not confronting this person looking for a fight. Um, No. So so go ahead, There's
1: Essentially, there's two ways to demonstrate. There's either using the authority figure as a foil to reach the audience – or there's trying to reach the authority figure themselves, and I'm always trying to reach the the person behind the badge. That's that's what I'm doing in this situation. And that's why, you know, I'm not recording. I don't premeditate these things. I just I try to assess the situation. I try to size up the person I'm talking to, and I try to be real in the moment. That's what I do. And that's what came to me. What came to me is if you're going to stop when I resist, I'm ready to resist. And I didn't say it grudgingly. I just sort of said it. And uh, he said, I'm as uncomfortable with this as you are. And so I said, well, that's really interesting. I didn't realize there were TSA agents who were uncomfortable with the policy here. And so this started a conversation with him about why he was uncomfortable. And what he said was that he never wanted to be a TSA agent, that he was um, studying to become a pilot. And it happened that because of the sequester that there were sort of less jobs than there were when he started training And so um, TSA agent was the only job in aviation that was available to him. And he was hoping he was waiting for another opening for him to, to leave the TSA. And he said something really interesting. He said, not all of us are part of the security club here. And he called it the security club. Wow. And he said, there's a woman here who's just waiting to be a chemist. And so there are people in the TSA who are on the security track, who are interested, who are not uncomfortable with what's going on. And there are other people who are there, incidentally, and they're not happy about it, and they're not comfortable with it, and they have greater aspirations. And so I was not going to give him flack. I wished him the best of luck in becoming a pilot, and he was very nice to me. And um, he also repeated over and over again, keep your eye on your property. Now, I've had officers, agents say this to me once, but he said it to me three or four times. And the more that I think about it, the more I think it was the the best thing, the best that he could do to warn me that there were thieves in the TSA.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: because we know that that happens, that there are TSA agents that that steal people's property. And I've never had anybody both emphasize to keep my eye on my property nor have as much sort of subtle disdain for his coworkers as this t s a agent
0: and and it's it's like it's it, there's a couple of ways that you can take that He could have been quietly trying to say there are thieves in the t s a right here in the room we're standing in, or he could have been saying there's people in the security apparatus of the t s a that will very happily stick something into your bag so that someone else can find it
1: that's interesting too um I hadn't thought of it that way, uh, but you know so so he was nice and I and I you know I wish him the best of luck, and he wished me the best of luck, and I almost like I wanted to shake his hand, you know <laughs> um, but so while he was patting me down, the woman who was operating the x-ray machine said that there was some unusual metal in my bag and that she needed to screen it separately. And she started taking it away. So immediately after being ta- told to watch my property, she began taking my property out of my view. And I kind of protested a little bit, but they did it anyway. Uh, so once I was cleared for the pat-down, I, I went to this woman. Now, based on my description, Manchester activists have identified this woman. Her last name is Martin. I don't remember her first name. And she is a behavioral detection specialist. Uh-huh. I don't know if you've, if you've heard of these people.
0: Yeah. These yeah. are,
1: these are the ones who are supposed to tell when the terrorists are nervous mm-hmm. or something.
0: Wh- which is um, odd because any normal non-psychotic human being will be nervous when you're, when you're being placed into a, a position where someone else has that kind of authority and capability to just feel you up any way they want and ruffle through your bags and detain you in any way. Any normal person is going to be nervous in those situations.
1: Right, but this is something that TSA has now is they have like behavior detectors, and so this is this is who this woman was. So she tells me there's a lot of strange metal in your bag. I just need to open it and see what it is. Now I've had this happen before. This is because I am running shinybadges.com, and when I go to conferences, I bring merchandise. And I always carry my merchandise on me because airlines will sometimes lose my checked luggage. And so I carry my most valuable things with me so that I know
0: that they're handled with care. And and we should also explain what shiny badges are, both for advertising reasons and to clarify the story. Some of the shiny badges are actual badge size, sort of like, uh, very much like a police badge that you can hang on your lapel or whatever. But others are much smaller little pins
1: yeah, they're like one inch wide. They have various symbols on them. I have, you know, like a lot of sort of black and gold, um, anarcho-capitalist sort of designs. And uh, usually I have Bitcoin designs, but I was actually sold out. I sold all my Bitcoin pins at the conference. So there were no Bitcoin logos in the bag. Um, but yeah, so I had about maybe 500 like one inch lapel pins, which I can understand looking strange through an x-ray machine. Uh, So she starts taking them out of the bag and saying, I'm going to run these through the x-ray machine separately. Now, they're all in clear tubes, so she can clearly see what they are. And um, as I said, there were no Bitcoin pins left. There were also no Bitcoin flyers in my bag. I gave all of my Bitcoin flyers away to other activists before I left so they could bring them home to their meetups. The only thing even remotely related to Bitcoin in my bag was a hand-drawn uh, version of the blockchain.info logo, and that's sort of similar to a Bitcoin logo, but it is sort of different. It's very pixelated, and it's hand drawn on a piece of plastic, right? <laughs> um, but she asks me as she's taking them out of my bag, she says, "Do you have any coins in these?"
0: <laughs> and
1: I, and I did not think anything of that question at the time because I'm accustomed to TSA agents asking me to take coins out of my pockets. Uh, but it strikes me as very strange now. So she says, do you have any coins in these? And I say, no, why? And she says, well, I just want to make sure you don't have anything valuable in them, which in hindsight is also very strange because she's just x-raying them to see if they're dangerous, right? Right. <laughs> uh, and I say, well, they're not coins, but they are valuable. And what I meant by that is everything that I own is too valuable to be molested by bureaucrats. <laughs>
0: If if you if you didn't own it, if it, the fact that you own it means it has value to you. I mean, it's it like like everything of scarcity has value. That's right. a basic economics.
1: But so in hindsight, if you think of this as a fishing question from a behavior
0: detector right. Right. who's
1: looking for Bitcoin, then this is a weaselly sort of gotcha question, and I really I answered it wrong. <laughs> uh So. She she scans all my stuff again, and she comes back, and she says that I'm cleared to leave. And so I pack all my things, and I leave the screening area. Um, So Bill Bupert, who's waiting for me because we're on the same flight, he and his wife are sitting on a bench about 10 feet away, and I start walking toward them. When I'm approached by two men in a shirt and tie, one is in a blue shirt and one is in an orange shirt, and this is where I actually was snarky. But it's because I thought they were men from the conference. There were other people in the terminal who were from the conference, and, and they just walked up to me, so I assumed they must have recognized me. And so that's what I assumed, based on the way they were dressed. Um, And the first one said, uh, where are you flying today? Now, when people ask me where I'm from, I say Earth. <laughs> so that's what I said. And it's like, to me, it's a joke. I'm a science fiction fan, and if I'm talking with friends, that's the joke that I tell, mm-hmm. right? So thinking this was a man from the conference, I said, he asked me, where are you flying to? And I said, Earth. And he said, can you be more specific? And I said, the northern part. <laughs> <laughs> but again, I thought I didn't know who this person was. So uh, he immediately said, just answer the question. And that's when I knew that I was talking to a bureaucrat. And so I sort of sized him up and I realized he was wearing a name badge. It wasn't a badge like a police badge, but it was like a corrugated plastic laser engraved. I'm a a supervisor badge, Right. (laughs) And so my policy is I don't answer questions unless I have an attorney present or they can show me some sort of obligation. Right. And so as soon as I realized that I was I was still talking to the security apparatus I said, are you conducting an investigation? Do you have some reason to be suspicious of me? And he said, you have an obligation to answer my questions if you're traveling internationally. And I said, do you have any evidence that I'm traveling internationally? And then he asked to search my bag for my boarding pass. And I said, I've already been screened by security. They've established there's nothing dangerous in my bag. I don't believe you have the right to search my bag again. So I'm not going to consent to a search. And uh, this is when they started threatening to arrest me. They said that if, if, if they want, if I wanted, they could call law enforcement over and they could detain me until I cooperated. And so um, I was about ready to say, you know, attorney, I want an attorney right now. And then, but before I did, the other officer said, what about the Bitcoin? Now I've never been asked about Bitcoin from the TSA. This is the first that this has ever happened and so I was kind of flabbergasted that this was sort of coming out of their mouth and I was confused and I was like, well, you know, you know what I mean? Like I was, I was taken aback and right. so I asked him um like what are you talking about? What do you mean? And he says, "Well, we think that we saw Bitcoin in your bag and we need to search to make
0: sure." <laughs> and someone else has already commented on this that that's that's like saying we thought we saw a unicorn.
1: Yeah, that's what Bill Bupert's wife said. <laughs> uh yeah, we thought we saw a unicorn in your bag and unicorns are, you know, they're dangerous, so I mean that's the thing like TSA is not like it's not uh, whatever. <laughs> so, um I said I I want to talk to a superior officer because I don't think you know what you're talking about. And that of course upset him. <laughs> And um, they threaten to arrest me again. And they sort of, this is, they start, you know, they escalate and I'm trying to keep calm, but I'm shaking at this point. they threaten to arrest me and I don't, this is not part of my regular script, right? Like I've been through the DSA dozens of times and this is all new to me. So I'm like, at this point, I'm scared that they're going to trump up some sort of like money laundering charge or something. Because the other thing is I do have Bitcoin. I have about, I had about four Bitcoin on my phone like, but they were asking to search my bag. So I didn't want to say anything that would lead them to search in the right place. You right, know, right. And, and and I didn't know why they were searching for Bitcoin. So, you know, I didn't know whether or not that
0: for Bitcoin was going to get me in trouble. This is a good time to point out a couple things, too. When um, there are those among us in the liberty movement who have a very realistic idea of what these people are capable of, and I think that there are lots and lots of people who are sort of in the liberty movement, or maybe very dedicated in the liberty movement, and they don't realize how evil these people can turn and what they can do to you really quickly. And and the and the calm end of that is to see what happened with um uh uh what's his name uh, Glenn Greenwald's partner where they literally absorbed a day of his life. They kept him in a room, badgering him with questions, searching his stuff, right up to, I think it was like a nine-hour limit or eight-hour limit or something. They kept him right up to that legal limit before they turned him loose. But that wasn't all. I mean, his whole day is disrupted. He doesn't catch the flight he's supposed to have. Everything he's supposed to do is now uh, out of whack because of that. And that's above and beyond the problem of, uh, of actually sitting there and being badgered, um, verbally by these people for hours on end without things like a drink of water or anything. You just have to sit there while they exchange shifts and continue to harass you. It is literally an inquisition. And, and that's the calm end of this. It can turn bad because you're in a room with psychotic individuals who think they have godlike authority and pretty much anything can happen in there. And oh, you slipped. You fell. Or in the case of the one guy down in Florida that the FBI uh, was questioning, um, he attacked us. That's why we shot him like nine times in the back and in the back of the head and in his foot and things like this. Well, this stuff happens. I actually, if they
1: wanted to be ugly, and I have seen the FBI do this, they could, if they decided they were going to pull me into a room and search my things and they discovered that there was Bitcoin on my phone. They could construe my answer in the negative to having had coins as being a lie and then use that to charge me with with hindering an investigation and use that charge to coerce further cooperation from me. And we see that all the time. Like, that is not
0: far-fetched. My wife is a civil rights attorney, and that is a common occurrence. You know, most people don't know this, but... Very famously, Martha Stewart was not sent to prison for insider trading. That was not a charge against her. She was sent to prison because they put her in a position where they could prove that she lied to an investigator. Now, she didn't really lie to him in the sense like most of us would think of lying she just failed to say words in the specific way that they that they could have so that they used her words against her in testimony to show that she said something that wasn't quite fully uh, true so mm-hmm. she went to jail for lying not for insider trading and they can do that's what they do they trip you up with weird Weird phraseology and weird ways that they, that they say things and they won't answer a direct question. When you, when you start to question them, they immediately turn it back to another question or they'll just ignore your question altogether. And that's we're part say, of the we're, entrapment. We're the ones asking the questions here.
1: Like I started asking questions and that was their answer.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, go ahead. I didn't mean to take you off on Well, it.
1: this is why I think do you have any coins is a gotcha question. Yeah. Is because it's such an unusual question in the first place, and the fact that I now know in hindsight that they are looking for bitcoins makes me think that 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 is why that question has been added to their script yeah uh, so when so at this point Bill Buper chimes in he's been watching, but he hasn't been in, in directly involved and he comes in and he says, what you've said is nonsensical because Bitcoin is a digital currency and it has no physical representation right. And so the moment he steps in, now he's a subject of attention. And these two agents have split their attention between me and Bill. And so one of them begins talking to Bill Bupert, and the other one continues to talk to me about Bitcoin. And so I start saying to him things like, what do you think Bitcoin look like? Like, what do you think that you saw? <laughs>
0: what color unicorn was it?
1: Right. And And what he tells me is they look like tokens or medallions. And we need to confirm whether or not how many of them that you have uh, and and, it's, and, it, and this is when he reveals that it's because if you if you, you if you have more than ten thousand dollars, it's it's some charge or some something. I didn't really understand um, the law. In hindsight, now I know that what they're getting at is that you have to declare over ten thousand dollars if you travel internationally. Uh, but I didn't know that at the time, so this just sounded like gibberish to me when he was telling me he had to confirm whether or not I had more than ten thousand dollars. And so I said, what is a Bitcoin worth? And he says, well, he understands. And he said, I understand it's, it fluctuates a lot. <laughs> and so at this point, I'm panicked. I'm like, if if they don't have a spot price that they're using for their policy, then it is entirely possible they could construe my four Bitcoin as more than $10,000. And and I could be in serious trouble. But thankfully, uh, Bill Bupert told them, actually, it was it was Bill's wife, they asked them if I was traveling internationally, and Bill's wife said, not that I know of. And then they just said, oh, he must have a domestic flight. Uh, we're done here. And then they just disappeared. They just turned around and left. <laughs> um, but that wasn't the end of it. So Bill and I went into the terminal and into the gate, and I'm shaking and... uh I really like how Bill asks, Bill doesn't ask, how are, how are you doing? He says, how are your adrenals? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But we start, we decide to make an audio recording so that I can record the, record, um, my, my experience as quickly as possible and remember it as detailed as possible. And that audio is on YouTube now. Um, if you search for TSA saw my Bitcoin and wanted to count it, that's, (laughs) that's the title. Uh, but the TSA followed me to the gate. The, the supervisor in the orange shirt sort of walked by and he was clearly looking for me. And then once he saw me, he'd stationed one of the blue shirts from the screening area outside the screening area and within eyeshot of me. And he kept, you could tell, he kept turning and like looking at me. He was keeping an eye on me if I'm, even if I moved. And then they stationed two police officers in like black flak vests and sidearms at my gate until we left.
0: You're a dangerous man, Davi.
1: Well, here's the thing. So this is why this is important. When they discovered that I was not traveling internationally, that was the end of their jurisdiction. They're enforcing this law about $10,000 traveling internationally. So they lost all jurisdiction to be questioning me for anything, and they recognized that, and they left immediately, right? But I was still a person of interest. They Mm -hmm. were still going to treat me like a criminal. They were still going to monitor me. And so the reason for following me and monitoring me was they were looking for another juristic, another justification to continue questioning. And they didn't find one. But that's what that's what was going on. Right.
0: Yep. Exactly. So, so
1: the law is being used to justify and enforce an, an extra legal principle, which is Bitcoin must be investigated. And that's why this is important. Now I understand that I was an outline case, right? Like, I'm traveling with a Bitcoin shirt. I have strange luggage. I made a snarky comment. I understand that, uh, my situation is unusual. But that just makes me the canary in the coal mine on this one. This is why I'm the sort of first person to report that the TSA is looking for Bitcoin. The, the fact of the matter is, is that this is something that they are, that they are doing with everyone. Like, like, this is the new policy, right?
0: Yeah, exactly, and that's really why it's important that we get this message out as quickly as possible to as many people as possible, that essentially, um, whether or not we realize the power of Bitcoin, the governments are starting to realize it. Co- Cody Wilson said this sentence, and I think it's critical that we all get this embedded in in, their, in our minds. Cody Wilson said, it is what they fear it is. It yeah. really is. What we're talking about here." We're talking about the moment of the death of a god. That's what government is. That's what the belief in the state is. It is a god, and we're holding something that they have realized has, a, maybe it's not the death, uh, you know, maybe it's not the axe that's going to cut the head off the beast, but it is definitely something that is going to cause some serious harm to this god that they worship. And so we're talking about these people that understand this at the top of the TSA or at the top of the FBI or at the top of the CIA, they understand with more clarity than many of us understand that what we are holding has the capability of killing the part of them that creates wealth, the Federal Reserve and the the, uh, central banking around the world. We're holding in our virtual hands a weapon that can stab that aspect of the beast and at least bleed it to a point of where they have to abandon it and and find something new. And they don't have anything new to replace it with. We're holding the new thing. So whether we all realize it or not, literally, Bitcoin is what they fear that it is. It is, to them, it is the approaching of darkness, of the death of their light, of the death of the funding of their God. It's terrifying to those that are in power That have fully realized what it is we're carrying around.
1: Sure. I mean, I agree. The only thing I would dispute is the word holding. (laughs) And I think that this is sort of an important point. It is, um, this, this, this law that you cannot pass through an international travel checkpoint without, with 10, with 10,000 undeclared dollars is now nonsensical. My Bitcoin is already in Germany. Right, My Bitcoin right. is already in Australia. My Bitcoin is already in Dubai. I am traveling with the password. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Like, so I. You even if even even if they they found even if I had a backpack full of ten thousand Casius coins, those Casius coins are just printed with a number which unlocks those Bitcoin that are already on the internet. Right. Like this paradigm of theirs that money is something that you carry through a checkpoint is old and um and i i mean that's a legal challenge that i hope someone someone makes if they're ever arrested or charged with this uh i happen to not be carrying enough for that charge and i happen to not be traveling internationally um but yeah there's there's some legal battle here and um i just think it's important so, I mean, there are two sort of approaches to this. One is if you're a low-risk Bitcoiner, then um, don't wear your Bitcoin shirt through the TSA. Just right, don't. Right. But if you're if you're a demonstrator, organize with your friends to all wear your Bitcoin shirt on the same day. I'm going to um, I'm going to I'm going to the Austin Bitcoin conference in a couple of weeks, and I'm going to try and spread the idea that everybody should fly out of Austin wearing a Bitcoin shirt.
0: Just overwhelm the TSA with, with 300 people showing up at the airport all wearing Bitcoin logos of some kind.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's also possible to send your Bitcoin right through the checkpoint. If you have a friend who hasn't been screened yet and you're inside the terminal, send your Bitcoin to him. <laughs>
0: um, and it, this this idea you're, that you're touching on here the, uh, of of carrying something physically around – uh just in case there's any confusion on this um you can memorize a password pretty easily and you can even share that password with someone and so all we're talking about is thoughts that that's the essence of what it takes to get bitcoin from you know a, a physical location right. A to physical location B is that thoughts are transmitted um you and you can you know you can Sure, you can have a wallet on a thumb drive and you can put that inside a condom and swallow it and you can smuggle a hundred billion dollars worth of Bitcoin through, uh, well, I don't know that there's that much in existence, but you can, you can, you could theoretically smuggle a physical representation of every single Bitcoin in existence on a thumb drive that you swallowed in a condom and you can barf back up on the other side of the TS and they couldn't do anything about it. But in essence, you're not smuggling anything through there, it's already out on you know millions of other hard drives on the blockchain. It exists like practically everywhere at the same time. So you're not right. actually smuggling anything anywhere.
1: Well, I've said this from the beginning, and I hope when the state attacks Bitcoiners that this defense comes up, that fundamentally Bitcoin is just information. And so this is not really a financial regulations battle. This is a free speech battle. Yeah. Uh, because all you're transmitting is number, it's an alphanumeric code from one place to another. And, um, and that makes it speech. So the other interesting thing about this is when they were having their Bitcoin hearings in Washington DC and they were soliciting experts and things like that, um, the, the spokesman from FinCEN uh, said that they felt Bitcoin could be regulated under current law, and they didn't—they didn't think that they needed new law to regulate Bitcoin. And we all sort of celebrated that because it looked like, you know, not creating new laws. I mean, that sounds good, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but this is an example of what that looks like. Right. Uh, what What that means is that the laws are not going to be um, debated in public. They're not going to be voted on in a legislature. They're going to be. They're going to be new interpretations of old laws done in secret by bureaucrats in law enforcement
0: agencies. Right.
1: And they're not going to tell us about it. So we're just going to one day be arrested
0: for something we didn't
1: realize we were doing.
0: And let's take this out to its uh, maybe not its logical end, but a logical end. If they can do this at an airport in Manchester, New Hampshire with a TSA agent, then a highway patrol pulling you over in the middle of Nebraska... Um, as the law is today, if a if a highway patrol pulls you over on a highway in the middle of Nebraska, and he thinks that you're carrying a large amount of cash, actual Federal Reserve notes, if he thinks you're carrying a large quantity of cash on you, that's a, a suspicion of that is enough to search you. That gives him probable cause, and he can search you. And if he finds, let's say, he finds a hundred thousand dollars, or ten thousand dollars, or one thousand dollars in cash, is enough. He can suspect that that is drug money and he might go through the ritual of having a dog sniff your bumper, but he might not even go through that ritual. He can take that thousand dollars in cash. They have the, the, the legal ability now to just take your cash and say that it's, you know, because a large amount of cash in hand is now a, a thing of suspicion. So they can take right. it and you might be able to go through all the legal uh, hoops and get it back, but you probably won't be able to. That probably now belongs to whatever that agency is that took it. Now, apply that to Bitcoin.
1: That means all of every immigration checkpoint is now potentially a Bitcoin checkpoint. If they, if you come up on one of these spontaneous checkpoints where they ask if you're a citizen and you have a Bitcoin bumper sticker or something, maybe that's reason for them to ask to search your phone,
0: right? Right, exactly. A Ron Paul they'll bumper sticker. Because they ask for anything.
1: They don't have to have the authority to ask because they expect people to comply. So right. you have to be the one who knows that you're not obligated to give them your phone.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Uh, uh, last year, um, Jeffrey Tucker went through a similar situation going into Canada where uh, they wanted some proof that he was going up there for some reason other than a job, you know, cause they want to stop people from going up there to Canada taking their jobs. And, uh, so they're questioning Jeffrey Tucker and they wanted to know if he had some contact person in Canada that they could verify why he was coming into Canada. And he pulled up a phone number on his phone and instead of reading it to them, they grabbed the phone to read the phone number itself, and then now they've got his phone, and they had it for like a couple hours or something. I can't remember the details. But but that's a mistake that could have, under this circumstances, if they were looking for Bitcoin uh, evidence rather than just for a phone number to verify that he knew somebody in Canada. Um If they knew what to look for on his phone, they actually would have found a Bitcoin wallet on his phone. Mm-hmm. And who knows, you know, uh since since the value is arbitrary they can make a, it's kind of like with the pot plants um there's a, a you know legal the laws are changing from state to state on marijuana uh, as we speak but uh currently if they find a single pot plant and it might only be 2 inches tall if they can verify that it is a pot plant they can charge you with having like a pound of marijuana because they they see that one plant can produce under certain circumstances a pound, therefore I, one plant is a pound to them in their terminology in the language they use, and you can be charged with trafficking uh, a, a pound of, of marijuana because one plant is growing you know somewhere in your backyard because some kid threw a seed back there two two years ago. And and apply that to Bitcoin now, and apply the same terminology trickery that they use, and the language that they use, and the way that they'll set you up to uh, where you almost are forced to answer a question that will that can be construed as a lie in some way, um, and and it's a pretty deadly situation.
1: It's really just it's un it's it's that it's unknown. It's it's so. Someone said to me recently that they wanted to know why it seemed like the government hadn't learned the lessons of prohibition, like why it was so difficult for them to learn the lessons of prohibition. And I contend that the government has learned the lessons of prohibition. And so they know that if they openly prohibit Bitcoin, that it will send it underground. It will be harder to find. It will increase in price and um, it will not be stopped. Right. Like that. That's the result of open prohibition. But there's also sort of um, implied prohibition or hidden prohibition, and the way that you do that is instead of establishing a clear law, you establish an environment of fear. You you instill in people an uncertainty about the legality of something, so that they feel like they are always subject to to extreme and arbitrary law without warning and right. without being and without it being avoidable. So that the person just says, I am uncertain, I have sort of fear and uncertainty and alarm, and so I'm just not going to get involved. And that is a kind of prohibition that does work. Exactly. And so that's what they're doing. I mean, I think that it's become clear that this is sort of part of their strategy now.
0: Yeah, and, and I would even argue that that is a more effective, and you just kind of kind of said that, but it's a more effective strategy in the long run. It's, it's harder to, to battle that strategy. And it actually is maybe the, the, it might be our weakest point in this battle, uh, as far as, you know, monetary concerns go. There are other issues that can be taken differently. But as far as whether or not we can eventually succeed in crushing the, the central monopoly of control of, of money, um, this may be the single greatest threat to our processes, because, again, quoting uh, Cody Wilson, it is what they fear that it is. It is the death of of the system that funds the governments of the world. And, yeah. and, and the people who understand that are going to fight in ways that we maybe are too naive to imagine when we just sit around thinking, oh, this will be great. I'll just, you know, I'll just uh, put a wallet on this computer and we'll just do this and it'll be fun. Um, this is really a serious thing. Well, we see these precedents in
1: um, the development of silver currency, right? Like they never openly come out and say silver is prohibited, right? Mm-hmm. But they do arbitrarily target anyone who begins to establish a successful competing precious metal currency, right? Like they they trump up charges against uh, Eagle, they trump up charges against Liberty Dollar, and those charges are always bizarre. Right? Like Liberty Dollar was charged with counterfeiting, but not with fraud.
0: Like, it makes no sense. <laughs> right, right. And, and it's important to realize, too, you know, I think we, I think, in, I want to use this word again, so many of the, of the avenues that the Liberty Movement has gone down have kind of really been naive. To think that well it's kind of like the sovereign citizen ideas to think that you can just use a few magic words and confuse a judge well that might work with your traffic ticket that might get you out of a traffic ticket. but in the long run it won't work. It's just magic words that you're confusing a judge with and eventually you know uh, when this gets serious, they'll figure out a way to to, to slam you in jail uh, in the end. Um, and and you can you over and over people in that movement will say oh no i've been doing this for 20 years well they just haven't looked at you yet and it doesn't matter that you beat some traffic court somewhere they yeah. th- th- you haven't become a real threat to them yet the moment you become a real threat to them you're gone and so many of the time we in the liberty movement in different aspects of it have thought things like well if we can just get this to a jury trial then i can convince a jury and oops Phone. Sorry about that. Um, if we can just get this to a jury trial, you know, we can, we can get the jury to nullify this or we can have a fully informed jury, which I'm, I'm all for that kind of stuff. That's great. We need as many informed juries as possible. On the other hand, they'll just change the law. They don't mind cheating. It's what they do. They lie. Oh, here's, here's a quote from Bill Bupert, uh, in, in specific reference to your situation and what was going on with you on the recording. He says, In reference to the TSA, he said, they lie for a living. And that's really important to understand, whether we're talking about cops, whether we're talking about politicians, whether we're talking about immigration, whether we're talking about TSA, FBI, any of them, they lie for a living. Their entire philosophy is based on lie. So they have no problem lying to you, and they will say anything to bait you into saying something that they can show that you lied, and then they've got you.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, on the subject of sovereign citizens, there's a sense in which my approach sounds like a sovereign citizen approach when I say, like, show me the obligation to answer your questions. I don't consent to a search, things like that. Right. Um, but really, what I'm doing when I say things like that is, one, I'm buying myself time to think um, by batting their questions away. Uh, but also, I am telling them that I am I am not cattle. Right. Right. Like I, I mean, we use the porcupine as a, as a mascot, as a symbol in a lot of libertarian circles, and and that's really how I think of it. I think of each of each of these questions that I throw back at them as like a quill, right? Right. Because the porcupine does not attempt to to kill an aggressor. The porcupine just makes itself unappetizing. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um,
1: and so that's how I think of it. I'm like, this is I'm not easy prey for you,
0: right? and And I should point this out too, um because this is just a, a, a again a defense of your personality um, you know davi is is a very gentle person he 's a very intelligent person he's a he 's a person he 's a calm thinking person he 's not a reactionary so uh when I know by being around you that when you 're saying these things you 're not saying them in a in a provocative way. That's forcing that makes a cop want to beat you. You're 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 uh, asserting your rights without getting in their face. In other words,
1: no, I'm actually in my tone at the time. I'm actually consciously trying to diffuse the tension. Right, right. In my tone, even though my even though my statements are assertive,
0: and it's um, it's really they
1: begin to raise their voice, and so I try to bring it back
0: down. Yeah, it's real easy, especially on the internet with the culture on the internet you know to have uh uh to have um oh what's it called uh armchair quarterback to armchair quarterback every situation say well you should have done this or you sh- you shouldn't have done that or you and that's what the internet kind of does right but um but you know unless you're actually in one of these situations and and the events are happening to you on a real time moment by moment basis you you really can't critique somebody else's uh, way of handling one of these situations. Now, for me, you know, I, I, people have said, "Well, are you going to this event? Or are you going to that event?" No, I can't because it would cost me, you know, twelve hundred dollars in gas to drive my motorhome up there. And then it's like, "Well, you can fly for two hundred fifty dollars." No, I can't fly. And and they and they always say, you know, "Well, why can't you fly?" And I, and it's because um because I don't have. The ability to control myself and be that kind of a person who can walk up, let myself be searched, let my stuff be searched, let be questioned, and 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 it's a flaw. It's a character flaw in me because at the moment that they start to confront me, um, I don't have that much of a love for my own life. I have almost an illness uh, in my brain that says my life is not worth anything. But my honor is worth everything, and and I would turn extremely violent in one of these situations. Therefore, I don't allow myself to ever be in a position where I'm going to be questioned by the TSA because I'm going to turn into a very smart aleck jerk and force them to beat me. And then once that starts, I'm going to force them to kill me. And so when I'm sitting here calmly thinking about this, I think, okay, well, then the solution is you never go where there's a TSA agent. You never go where there's an FBI agent. And if you find yourself in a situation like that, you clam up and wait for an attorney. And and so that's my only way of surviving because the only other option for me is death because A leads to B and B leads to C, and I'm bored with the conversation. Let's take this to Z right now. How far are you ready to take this because I'm go, I'm ready to go to Z. Let's go. And mm-hmm. and and they always win when you take that approach. They always win because there's a lot of them, and they live, and you die. And so,
1: and they obviously they had armed police officers waiting in the wings.
0: Yeah, they were
1: the the, the they, armor on these police officers. I thought was so interesting at the time because we're allegedly in this area where every single person has been screened for a firearm, <laughs> but this person is wearing bulletproof armor. <laughs>
0: Makes no sense whatsoever. And the funny, if you wanted to, like, and I'll just uh, taking the risk of saying something here, but once again, let me put a disclaimer. I am not going to be at an airport. There, It's not going to happen. I am never going to be in a situation where I have to go through TSA. But if I was to be the kind of a person who wanted to sneak something in and harm a TSA agent, First off, if you look at the the alleged situation in LAX where the guy just walked right through with a gun and starts shooting people, well, what do you do? Uh, as a TSA agent, there's only two things. You run or you die. Or if you're armed, you fire back. But that's pretty much it. But if I wanted to get some deadly thing all the way into an airplane, if I had the patience to tolerate their silly little processes, I can probably sit here or you and I brainstorming, we could probably sit here and come up with 50 or 100 lethal devices that we could easily sneak onto an airplane using, uh, the knowledge of what they look for. So, so, yeah. if, if you're actually believing that the TSA does something good, you're lying to yourself, you're fooling yourself, because if, if a couple of people just think it through, you can think all kinds of things. You know, I used to carry, uh, years ago, I used to carry a, um, uh, a piece of uh, a wire rope uh, in, in, around my belt line, and right. it had a, a keychain on one end and just a, a solid tip on the other end. And I could whip that out of my belt line, and it's basically a metal whip, you know. And you could really do some serious. If, if well, you're... I was carrying a knife. Oh, really?
1: Yeah, I am. Um, I'm sure you've seen this from from Kelly's store. The um... The credit card knife. You oh see, yeah, yeah. A video about the credit card knife, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I got myself, I got myself a case for my smartphone that is designed to carry a credit card, and I keep a credit card knife in my phone. Cool. <laughs> and it's it's flown. This one has flown eight times now, and nobody's ever said anything. And those even things with are the razor. Added scrutiny of being a bitcoiner.
0: Those things are razor sharp too.
1: Oh, yeah, they are. I've I actually cut my thumb pretty bad. <laughs> but, you know, you talk about we could brainstorm ways to sneak in weapons. I'm actually, um, I'm actively brainstorming ways to sneak in recording devices because I think the, the short, the, the biggest mistake or the, the biggest shortcoming of this story is that I don't have an objective record. And that's because I had just passed through security and I had all of my property taken away and i was sort of disheveled coming out of the screening and my phone which is my recording device was deep in the backpack that they wanted to search so i wasn't about to go get it that's
0: that's an important aspect too of what the, of the of what they do to you in this process they'll tell you things just like what you said uh, they'll they'll ask you has there been a time when your bags have been out of your sight because uh, they want to know in case somebody stashes something in your bag. So they'll ask you that question uh, when you get to the airport. Have you kept your eyes on your bags the whole time? And then they'll tell you, uh, keep your eyes on your bags at all times. And then they'll take your bags away. Or they'll put you in a room and take your stuff into a different room. Or they'll put it through a machine where you can't look at it. So so they do just the opposite. And this, even if it doesn't do it on the surface, in your mind, this kind of acti- activity disrupts your brain. And, and it gets you off balance, which is what they want you to be. They want you to be off balance, hitting you with weird questions, odd terminology. They want to hit you with this stuff constantly to keep you off balance so that they, so that they have the upper hand in the conversation.
1: Yeah. So I, I'm going to be brainstorming this. I think I'm going to, I mean, maybe I have to hide it in my underwear or something, but I feel like I need to have an audio recording device when
0: I go through these checkpoints from now on. Yeah, I think it's a good idea. Something just like uh some, maybe something as simple as a lapel pin that has a a recording device embedded into it or something. Uh I'm not sure I I I think that's something that we can all really think about. Mm-hmm. Um, also uh you know the idea that they take your your phone away any time they get a chance. Uh this is a good reason to make sure that your phone has a specific password lock on it Anytime you're going into a situation like that.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, I suppose they couldn't get to my Bitcoin balance without passing through a couple of different passwords because I have one on the phone and then I have another one on the app. Yeah. And you're not obligated to open things for them. They'll tell you that you are, but the EFF has said that
0: you're not, and I believe them, so... Yeah, again, they'll lie to you. They'll say anything to... Uh, it's perfectly legal for an agent of the government to lie to you, but it's illegal to lie to any agent of the government.
1: And it's a serious crime that they're looking for you
0: for. Yeah, yeah, they literally. It's a serious it.
1: crime they're trying to trick you into committing.
0: Yeah, because if you can, if they can catch you even in a mild lie, then that that gives them the legal ability to pursue it and and keep uh, keep this this pursuit going. mm Hmm um so since i've got you on the line we've we've uh, put in our full hour here for a podcast but since i've got you on the line let's talk about um some of the other stuff that's going on now you mentioned that there's uh, uh an upcoming event in um austin texas right right and you're going to be attending that
1: yeah i'm i'm speaking on the charity panel and uh it's not confirmed yet, but they're trying to find a place for me to present my psychological experiment. And um, so, yeah, I'm going to that for sure. I'm definitely vending too. Do you know the so date? So I'll be carrying my lapel pins through TSA just like before. Do you know the dates on that? Mm, February. I think it's March fifth and sixth.
0: That sounds about right. Let me look at a calendar here. Uh, how about uh, like. Sixth and seventh. Yeah, six and seventh. I'm flying out
1: Wednesday the fifth and I'm flying back Saturday the eighth, so it's probably the two days in between.
0: Yeah, and it's a, it's being held at a uh, place where they they just built a brand new giant racetrack. And it's like a really cool, I've seen the pictures and everything, it looks really cool. Yeah, for sure. Um, if, if any listeners are in the, you know, that part of Texas, uh, in or around Austin, um it's a real good opportunity to get down there and listen to some really interesting speakers and kind of get a uh, a feel of what the movement is doing
1: yeah and you know this is becoming a role for bitcoin not bombs i think that um there's so many pro regulators in the bitcoin movement now that we're sort of making an effort to be at all of these bitcoin conferences to sort of hold the free market line so that at least that that view is expressed at these events
0: um, I hate to bring it up, but it's kind of the elephant in the room right now. Uh, you know, Mount Gox has collapsed. Um, the Bitcoin price is, almost was in a free fall there for a, for a while. Um, the, uh, Silk Road got hacked again. Um, it, the last month, two months, has been really rough on Bitcoin. Um, but I think it's important... You know, and I know that they're probably—I I don't know this for a fact—but but in my mind, I'm confident that people like Gary North and Peter Schiff and others who have been very anti-bitcoin are probably rubbing their hands together and giggling with glee that you know that they think the demise of this uh, horrible thing has has finally come. But um, I have a real high—I have as much confidence in Bitcoin today as I had in it uh, six months ago, or a year ago, or two years ago. Um, they, sure, the price has fallen, which is really, really great if you've got a little extra money and you can buy some more Bitcoin right now. Um, maybe you... oh,
1: it's good for me. I'm vending. Yeah you know how great it is to be selling things when it's this low.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um, so this is not the death of Bitcoin by any measure uh, as long as as long as the concept of the blockchain is intact. Even if they figure out even if governments of the world figure out a way to persecute everybody who has any involvement in Bitcoin and even if they make people so afraid of it that nobody wants to, to you know own Bitcoin, even if they are totally victorious in that we still win because we have the concept of the blockchain and we can do this a hundred billion times over if we need to. We can keep reinventing it. We can bring it back out in different ways. They can't win. Once this thing is, is loosed from its, from its, you know, um, from its bottle, so to speak, then, uh, then we're gonna win on this. This is not a, this is not a matter of, you know, well, here's the final thing that's gonna kill Bitcoin. Well, Bitcoin might all be gone uh, in a month, but the blockchain—the uh, concept of how this thing works—is so revolutionary that it is far beyond the ability of governments to take it down.
1: And it has so many other applications. There's like Michael W. Dean's Free Speech Me is like going to replace the .dot com DNS service, you know. And um, I, um, I was thinking about it. I thought of a way you could replace the jury box with a blockchain. Yeah, I mean, it, w- it would require the infrastructure of a stateless sort of justice system, but you could absolutely sort of confirm the way that a person is voting on a jury, or you could confirm public opinion after watching a debate or something using a blockchain.
0: Yeah, I don't believe uh, democracy has any kind of moral authority, but if you're a type of person who believes that democracy is a good thing, uh, you there is a tool right there to find what true democracy is. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. yeah, I wasn't really suggesting it for elections purposes. I was right, more right. thinking of it as an opinion poll. <laughs> right, but even if someone does believe that you know elections are good and democracy is a good way, then you, there you could set up a perfectly honest democracy that couldn't be cheated.
1: So yeah, there there are going to be future applications of this, and um, you know the government is going to be catching up with the first blockchain while there's twelve more that are building. So
0: yeah. Um, well, what else we got going on in the Liberty Movement that uh, that needs to be touched on before I let you go?
1: Oh man, it's been a lot has happened since we talked last. Um, <laughs> uh, the experiment is moving forward. I have a design, um, and I have people signed on who I have a, a psychologist and a production company signed on that are interested. So we're fundraising now. Um, I added a new section to Shiny Badges called the Causes tab, and the idea there is that every product on that page. Um if you purchase it constitutes a donation in bitcoin to the organization the pin is associated with. Uh what else? I don't know. Uh Survivor Max is out, my zombie book is out. Oh, I meant to ask Amazon you about that. Yeah. Survivormax.com.
0: Yeah, I'll have to I'll put a link to that in today's show notes. I'll also put links to uh, shiny badges and bitcoin nut bombs and and uh
1: Bitcoin Not Bombs is down right now. The traffic has crashed the site. If you want to get the most up-to-date version of this story, Daily Anarchist has got the article.
0: And Daily Anarchist is a good way to keep up with uh, stuff that you do anyway. You're one of the many contributors uh, over there at Daily Anarchist, and they have really good uh, articles from a wide variety of people.
1: Yeah, I'm the editor there, too.
0: Um, And so we've got the thing coming up in March in Austin, Uh, What other uh, organizations should we give a shout-out to that are having uh, uh, Well, the thing I'm most
1: excited about at the Austin conference is a benefit dinner. And this was originally going to be for uh, Sean's Outpost, the Homeless Outreach Center, but uh, Jason King agreed to sort of open it up to other charities. So Free Aid is going to be there. Bitcoin Not Bombs is going to be there. I think some others. Jordan Page is going to be performing for the benefit lunch. Uh, I think Tatiana Moroz might be also. So yeah, I mean, that I think is what I'm most excited about. We're going to be auctioning off a one of a kind piece of Bitcoin Not Bomb swag. How did the
0: uh, how did things go at the Liberty Forum? I should ask you that a long time ago. Uh, you were in in uh, Nashua, New Hampshire for the yearly Liberty Forum up there. It takes place in a fancy hotel with uh, a lot of uh, sparkly things and shiny stuff. It was it was really cool last year. How how did it go this year?
1: I think it went really well. Um, I spent a lot of time vending. that tends to be what I do anyway. Like I really go to visit people. I don't really go for the speakers. Although I was really impressed by Tom Drake who's a sort of well-known whistleblower and he was the keynote and that was fantastic. Um, I miss Porkfest though like having been to both of these events now,
0: I think porkfest is my favorite. Davey, thanks for coming on the podcast with me, and it's been great to talk to you today, and we'll have to do this again pretty soon. Uh, folks, thanks for listening today, and remember to visit badquaker.com where liberty is our mission. Thanks a lot.